son, God doesn't stop all the bad stuff from happening to his children. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. And I am filling in for C. Elijah today. And I went through an issue with my wife and kids this past week that was actually the roughest issue we faced as a family together. And it gave both Stephanie and I headaches and stomach aches and kept us up at night just from the stress of it. I mean, if you don't think pastors go through anything, but we go through as well. And see, Elijah, he called me two evenings ago and wasn't aware about what was going on. And he asked if I could fill in for him today. And he didn't know that I was sitting there with my head hurting and my stomach hurting and eyes red from lack of sleep. And not only that, but I had congestion in my throat and headache. And on top of all that, I didn't have a message ready. <laughs> So I hesitated on him and thought about it for a minute. And, but I told him that I would do it because I realized that these were all excuses. And none of them were valid reasons that I couldn't deliver the word of God. Second Timothy 4 and 2 says to preach the word both in season and out of season. And I don't know exactly what the author meant by out of season, but... I do know that he wasn't talking about a convenient time. I, I do know that it wasn't a time when you feel your best and everything is hunky-dory. I know it's not a time when people that you're even preaching to want to hear some preaching. I know it's not a time when your money is right and when your health is right. So I don't know exactly what he meant by out of season, but I know it wasn't the best of times. So that word rose up in me. The son preached my word both in season and out of season. And this is one of those out of season times. And I'm here as his preacher unto you. And there are times that are just out of season that you'll go through in life. And the weather is not as sunny as it is normally. The fruit doesn't taste as sweet. Not tasting in season. Yesterday as I set in my computer to do some work on it. Even before I began to study for this message on what to preach on, God dropped in my spirit to preach about times like these because surely other people will go through even more than you're going through now. So I speak to you today from the subject of when the road gets rough. Turn to your neighbor and say, when the road gets rough, Turn to the other side and say, when the road gets rough. And life is not always going to have smooth roads. And just as smooth seas never made good sailors, smooth roads never created great people of faith. And I want to give you seven keys that has helped my family through these rough times so that there will be a guide for you during your tough periods. 
And every person under the sound of my voice, if you're not in a rough time right now, just keep on living. And I can guarantee you before the end of these old days that rough times and rough roads will come at some point. I'm going to move fast here to get it in in time. Key number one, when you're dealing with a tragedy or something that's rougher than normal in an unusual situation, key number one is to anoint your house and everyone in it. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And you can't fight spiritual things with physical weapons. And my youngest son, Joseph, he had no idea of what was going on in the house. He had no knowledge of the situation at all. And he came to me on that day and he said, Daddy, as I walk from room to room in a house, I feel like something is just breathing down my neck. He said, I, I try to go in another room and it's like it's breathing. It's something hovering within the house. And I knew what I had to do. And when you have an attack against your household, you need to anoint your doorpost like the children of Israel did to avoid the angel of death. And they used animal blood to do it. But today we have the blood of Jesus, which is far more powerful than any animal known to man. So the first thing that I did when my house was under attack was to anoint every exterior and interior door with oil. And as I anointed it, I proclaimed that I anointed it with the blood of Jesus. And I beseech the angels, the guardian angels and the warring angels to come and protect this house and this entrance from allowing any evil spirit that is not of God to enter these premises. And I did it on every exterior door and every interior door. Then when I finished with the doors, I went and did every member of my household from the oldest child to the youngest child, from my wife, even until myself. Because if you don't anoint the people within the house, the devil will jump in your family members and come in your house through one of your loved ones. So you've got to anoint the entrances, both physical entrances and people. Key number two, Pray and seek God's direction, peace, and comfort. Jesus promised as he was leaving to send the comforter unto us. When the comforter comes, you'll have peace in the midst of the storm. You'll have direction when you reach a fork in the road and don't know which way to go. You'll have comfort for your heart that no psychologist can give you. There is power in prayer. And you don't need to pray by yourself either. You need to have every member of your household come in and join hands and join hearts and pray as one. Because where two or three come together in his name, he's in the midst and there's power increase when there is unity. And you've heard it said that a family that prays together stays together. And even this very day, a federal judge In this country, rude that the National Day of Prayer, established by Congress in 1952, they ruled that it was unconstitutional, a federal judge in this country. And I can tell you that no matter what they ruled from the courts, 
concerning prayer in schools or concerning prayer in governments or prayer in businesses. You better not rule out prayer out of your households because when you take prayer out of your house, I tell you, the devil will be right there coming in with a quickness. Moving on to key number three, study and meditate on the word on the matter. And some great scriptures to start off with. You need to get specific scriptures dealing with your situation, but there are some general scriptures that help fortify you as well. And one of those we've been going over every week here at the Ark, and that's Ephesians 6, talking about pulling on the whole armor of God. And I won't go through it since we hear it every week here. If you're not here at the ark, read that in detail and put it within you. Another scripture, well, even with the armor, if you make sure that you have all of that armor, because if you know if you're missing one piece of armor, that it's a vulnerable point that he can come in. So if you don't have on the shield, then he can stab you there. If you, your, your feet are not shod with that preparation of the gospel of peace, then he'll trip up your feet. So if you don't have on your helmet, he'll get into your mind. So make sure that you have that full armor. Another scripture is Psalms 91 that you can meditate on. And it says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowl and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in his hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. And you need to meditate upon the word of God. And I can tell you, whatever you meditate upon, that's the state that your heart will be in. If you meditate upon the word, then you'll be uplifted daily by the word. But if you meditate upon the problem, If your bills are due and you don't have the money and don't know how you're going to pay them. And if you're constantly looking at this paperwork and thinking about you might get put out of your house and might lose your vehicle, then your heart will become fearful and sad. But if you meditate upon the promises of the Lord and what he's declared for his children, then it'll stir faith within you and your heart will be built. 
key number four is talk to a wise, trusted friend to help strengthen you. Proverbs eleven fourteen says that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And three qualities that you want to look for in this person. You don't want to just get anybody. <laughs> number one is make sure that you talk with someone who is trustworthy to keep your situation confidential. And you already have an idea on who that is. Let me give you one hint. If they've been telling you somebody else's business that they are not too, I can guarantee you they won't hold your business. So, so make sure that they know how to keep their mouth shut before you tell them anything. Number two is make sure that it's someone who is wise in the affairs of life. And if you look at them and, and their life is all in a chaos and, and they make unwise decisions, how in the world do you expect them to, to give you wise counsel when they hadn't been wise? If, if you got somebody's credit all jacked up and you're going to them asking, you know, I need to make some extra money. How do you recommend I do that? You no, know, you've got to have somebody who is wise in the affairs of life. The third criteria you need to make sure they have is they need to know how to pray. And their prayers can uplift you and strengthen you even when you get weak. And even this week, pastor was that one. And he didn't have all of the details, but he knew I was going through some things. And because we're so close, it was troubling his spirit. And, and he sent me an email and said, I was praying for you early this morning, and before 6 o'clock, early in the morning. And... He said that he asked God that if he could even just bear some of my load, to just put it on him. And he knew I had a headache and a stomachache, and he said he doesn't get headaches. He said within 10 seconds of praying that prayer, his head started hurting. And my head, it was gone that morning. So I thank Pastor for taking some of my load on his own self. So it helps you to have a friend in need. And I even had the revelation right before I came tonight that even Jesus, the only begotten son of God, even he had to have Simon of Cyrene to help him carry the cross to Calvary. Now, if Jesus with all power, if he had to have some help carrying that cross to Calvary, what do you think about us when you try to carry this load all by yourself and bottled up with it? And if Jesus had to have somebody to help with the load physically on earth, then we need others as well. No man is an island unto himself. Key number five is nail it to the cross. Philippians 3.13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before and you can nail it to the cross, visualizing yourself doing it in your, your mind and spirit. Or you can actually just take some wood and make a simple cross. And, and you write down the issue that's plaguing you, the tribulation that you're going through. And you fold that piece of paper up and pray over it. And take a nail and actually physically nail it to a cross. And once you nail it to a cross, you leave it there. Don't pick it back up and... And, and I know many of our people are visual, so I even wore a jacket with a cross on it. So you can visualize what I'm saying about nailing it to the cross. 
So I tell you, he bore our sicknesses and all of our sins on the cross. We don't have to carry it all ourselves. He's already paid the price. But you've got to leave it there and you can't take it upon yourself. Key number six is press on. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And a few years back, there was a very devout Christian that had a tragedy happen to him. And I was talking with my mother about it. And you constantly philosophize about how bad things happen to good people. And we were just chatting about it. And I said, this person, they really pray a lot, and they're really close with God, and it's amazing how this really just happened. My mother made a statement that I've never forgotten. While I was trying to get understanding out of this situation, and she said, son, God doesn't stop all the bad stuff from happening to his children, but he does give you the strength to endure it all. And I'll never forget it all the days of my life. So he might not Take away everything that may happen to you. You'll go through some things still. You'll go through some trials and tribulations. You'll go through some things you may not understand. You'll go through some things even other people will look at and judge you about it. Say, I wonder what caused this. You'll go through some things that will have people talking about you. But I tell you, he won't take all of these things from you. He didn't take it even from his only begotten son. Jesus went through everything that we have to go through. Men talked about him. They spit on him. They put a crown of thorns upon him. They did all manner of evil against him. Called him all manner of names. But I tell you, he gave him the grace and the strength to go through, to press on without sin, without failing faith. So he'll give you the strength to go on. And you can never stay where you are in life. You will eventually either go up or down. And if you get hurt and do nothing and say, I'm just going to stay right here, I'm hurt. You can't really stay right there. And if somebody breaks your heart and you say, I'm not going to open my heart up. I'm going to close it so this won't happen again. And I never love anybody else. You can't stay in that point because as you grow older, you'll find yourself growing lonely and there'll be nobody there to love and to love you. And it'll get worse and worse and worse. And the state you were in will actually grow worse with no love in your heart. So there's no ability in this life to stay exactly where you are. We age and the body changes, the spirit and mind changes. So you're either going to get better or worse. So make a decision to keep on keeping on because we serve a moving God. The children of Israel were led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And if you stay still, you will get left by the move of God. And in order to get out of the wilderness, you must move with the cloud and the fire and press on towards the promised land. If you Stay where you are, even if the cloud is right there and the cloud moves and you don't move. You'll stay right there in the wilderness and wonder why the light went out and wonder why you can no longer feel God with you. It's because you're not moving with him. So you've got to move with God and stay close to the pulse of God. And trials will come and they, when they come, they will either push you closer to God or they'll push you Closer or further from God, rather. One of the two. And you have to decide 
how you're going to let a situation do you. Some people, when things come, they get mad at God and they get mad at others and hold hate in their heart and it pushes them further away from God and it allows the enemy to come in and to, to, to plant seeds of, of, of evil within your heart and, and, and God can't speak to you and can't do the mission he's called you for because it, this thing has pushed you further from him. Or you can hang on closer to him and say that even as Job said, I mean, you can say that when these things come upon you, you can say no matter what you sin, devil, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. No matter what you sin, the more you come against me, the closer I'm going to get to my God. The more I'm going to stay on my knees. The more I'm going to stay in my word. Devil, you can't have this house. You can't have this vessel. You can't have these children. You can't have this wife. I'm going to keep my hand entwined with the hand of God. So guard your heart against hate, against bitterness, against unforgiveness, because these things would come to push you away from the living, loving God. The final key, key number seven, is to formulate and apply systems to prevent the same thing from happening again. And this is a lot of steps within this. There are different things that are components of this. There are some practical things and some spiritual things. You need to do everything you can in the natural and everything you can in the spiritual. You need to read books on the subject and indoctrinate your stuff with the, yourself with it. The wisdom of the world and the knowledge of the world. You can take seminars on the subject. So no matter what area your thing is in, you can get counseling from those that have years of experience with it and have great results dealing with the same type of situations. You can seek experts in the field. The other thing that you have to do as part of this is close spiritual doors. And once you cast out an evil spirit out of your house or out of a person, They'll go out and, and seek seven others like it, and they'll come and find the house sweet, clean, and the, the second state will be worse than the first if you don't close those spiritual doors. So make sure that you close those doors, and you do that two ways. One is by making sure you have on that full armor we talked about in Ephesians. And the second way is make sure that there's not sin in your life. In any area, because sin, you all seen those little door stoppers you put on a door. That, that's what sin does. No matter how hard you try to close a door, that little door, sin will put that little rubber door stopper under the door to allow a crack in the door. And that's all Satan needs. If he can just get his big toe in the door, then he, he can stick his fingers in and pry that door open. So be careful. Just analyze your life and the habits and the lifestyle of your life. To make sure that there's no sin in the camp. That Satan can come in through. And you have to equip yourself each day with the whole armor of God. The next thing is to set up parameters in the natural where you won't be in the same situation for the same thing to happen again. And you've heard the famous saying that fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. 
And without doing something after you get delivered, you'll be fooled not just twice, but you'll be fooled three, four, five, and unlimited times if you don't do something different, if you don't take action. So make sure that you keep on the whole armor of God. Those seven points, again, in summary, are key number one, anoint your house and everyone in it. Key number two, pray and seek God's direction, peace, and comfort. Key number three, study and meditate on the word on the matter. Key number four, talk to a wise, trusted friend to help strengthen you. Key number five is nail it to the cross. Key number six is to press on. And key number seven is to formulate and apply systems to prevent the same thing from happening Again, well, that's all our time. I hope that something in this message has blessed you. And if you don't need it now, make sure that you get this message and store it because there will come a time when the road won't be as smooth as it is right now. And you can go to airjesus.com, put in message 8222 and send this message to a friend or listen to it in its entirety again. I thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the word. This ends message number 8222 by James Bronner. To hear other messages or to send this message number 8222 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 8222. When the road gets rough, listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.